This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I am your host, Trevor Williams, and you might notice this show is coming out on Thursday instead of Wednesday because we had a technical difficulty but luckily our guest today helped me figure it out and we fixed it and the show is up so thank goodness we didn't have to reschedule again so luckily the episode is happening and our guest today just so happens to be farmer dre um if you're on instagram maybe you follow him his handle is just farmer underscore dre he also has a really awesome youtube channel so he is a first generation fruit grower in missouri and he's going to talk to us today about growing fruit, what they grow, strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, peaches, apples, a lot of other stuff. They also just started to incorporate a bakery on their farm, which is super cool. And he's going to tell us how he and his parents got the farm or got the orchard back in 2013 and how he's actually um, a first generation um, United States citizen. His parents were both born in Romania and they moved here back in the 90s. And he'll tell us all about that whole family story how his family is kind of going with the orchard, and his future plans. And also, this is really cool. I love quotes. Um, back in the day, I had like this Word document on my computer that had, like I don't know, 150 quotes or something like that, like movie quotes and for inspirational quotes and stuff like that. So Dre's going to tell us how he tries to live his life by one quote, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life, which I think was really awesome. And also, he's going to tell us about how he's using his YouTube channel to educate consumers, which, you know, is something we're trying to do here with the podcast, which is awesome. He has a lot of really great points on there that he'll touch base on. So I encourage you, if you're on Instagram, check out Farmer Dre. Again, it's Farmer underscore Dre. And also check out his YouTube channel. I'll link all of that stuff in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This will probably be the second to last episode of 2020. So next week we'll have kind of a catch up episode and I'll talk to you about some things I've learned from this season. Maybe Ali will come on the show. We will see. But anyway, I hope you enjoy this interview with Dre. It was so cool to talk to him and kind of learn more 
about his fruit orchard and how he got started and his future plans. So thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. All right. Well, Farmer Dre, how are you doing, man? I'm doing awesome, man. Another beautiful day here on the, you know, on, on the planet Earth. So, <laughs> I like it. I like it. So you are. I, I I followed you a few months ago when we finally got our interview started. You're a fruit grower in Missouri. Tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you started being a first generation farmer. Perfect. So yeah, I'm a 23 year old. Um, I'm very young. Probably one of the youngest fruit farmers in this area. Even though there's not a lot of orchards and fruit farms and in Southwest Missouri, but this past spring I graduated from my bachelor's in horticulture, plant science, and uh, you know it's full on, full force on the farm. But kind of some back history of how we got started on the farm. So my parents are originally from Romania, and uh, back in the 1990s they figured out that Romania wasn't for them. So then they uh, you know came to the United States, a great country, the United States of America. So I was actually born in Southern California in Riverside. And then in 2003, my parents, you know, they they uh, had an aunt that lived out here in Missouri. So we came out here to visit. And my mom told my dad, you know, it's so beautiful out here that uh, I think you're going back to California by yourself. So, <laughs> and then a couple a couple months later, we moved out here. So then whenever we first moved to Missouri, my parents uh, bought a turkey farm. So uh, we raised uh, commercial turkeys for Cargill for 11 years. And uh, we did that, you know, with the family. So I forgot to mention that we, I come from a big family, so I'm eight out of 10. So I got, you know, seven older siblings and two younger brothers. And uh, we were on the turkey farms for 11 years. And then in 2013, when my older brothers, him and his wife, came out to the apple orchard to pick some apples. And the previous owner, Cliff Plaster, he, uh, he was getting on in age. His kids didn't want to run, run the orchard. So then he asked my brother, hey, you look, you look like someone that likes to... Um, work hard and my brother's, my brother's like yeah why not and he's like well I'm, I'm trying to sell this orchard and nobody seems to want it so he told him that if nobody buys it within a year he's going to push down you know 20 acres of apples and peaches so then the next day was a sunday so after after church the family got together as usual you know family dinner and uh, my, my older brother victor told my dad about it about the orchard and then you know it worked perfectly out as a blessing for God. And it was uh 30 days later, we came into the possession of the orchard. So, well, that's cool. That's a cool little story. Eight out of 10. I can imagine holidays are a little bit hectic in your family with 10 siblings. I mean, that's crazy. That's a lot. I've only got one sister, so I can't imagine how hectic that probably is. Yeah, it's, it's nice. I mean, big families, I mean, it's the way to do it. Now, looking back, you know, I, I always tell my mom and dad, why didn't you have more kids? Cause you know, families, pretty cheap labor so <laughs> <laughs> that's true i mean it's free labor i mean there you go yeah so i mean it's it, i mean children are a blessing from god so that's how we look at it and i mean it's you know big families are nice you know you have who to fight with you have who to play with and you have who to argue with so you know it's uh <laughs> it, it's a fun time Oh, I can imagine. That's super neat. So, so going off of the orchard, I mean, so what exactly do you guys grow and how have you kind of grown it since you've kind of started having that fruit orchard? Yeah. So originally it was just, you know, 20 acres of apple trees and, you know, they had about a, a hundred peach trees. So whenever we first bought the orchard, that's all it was. And the, or, the orchards was kind of run down, kind of just neglected for so many years because the previous owner, he had some health issues. And he hasn't done anything to the orchard for the seven previous years. 
So we get in there knowing nothing about fruit production. We used to raise turkeys for Cargill. That's what we did for 11 plus years. And knowing nothing about fruit production, my dad knew nothing about fruit production. So we jumped into uh, in that in that winter of 2013 uh, into 2014. Uh, my dad, my younger brother, Adrian, my younger brother, Isaac, and myself, we jumped into pruning 20 acres of apples without knowing nothing about fruit production. I mean, we, I mean, all we knew was gobble, gobble. So, <laughs> but then, um, <laughs> yeah, so knowing nothing about fruit production, we jumped into pruning it and it was the hardest time in the world because we had no idea what we're doing. And I was a sophomore in high school at the time. And I remember coming home from school every single day and pruning, you know, pruning the orchard. It was super busy. I mean, it was just, it was that time, you know, I was young. I didn't, I didn't really want to work. And, you know, from being from a, a big family, my dad always taught us, you know, if, if you don't work, you don't, you know, you don't get to eat or sleep because, you know, that's part of being, being part of the family. So, uh, you know, I hated, I hated the orchard. I really didn't see myself going, you know, pursuing a career in it. So then years go on, we're still maintaining the orchard. We're still, um, you know, figuring out what we want to do with, would do with it. So then I graduated high school in 2016 and then you know, started started going to college, just taking a bunch of general education classes, seeing what was available, what I what I wanted wanted to wanted to do in my life, and then at the same time, you know, I took a few accounting classes, and I quickly re- quickly realized that I hate accounting. I mean, with the passion, I was pretty good at math. <laughs> I enjoy math, but accounting just wasn't my thing. And I was like, man, if it, you know, if, in the back of my mind, I was kind of thinking about getting a degree in agricultural business. You know, something to do in agriculture, but more, you know, not on the physical labor uh, part of it. So, you know, I was like, you know what, what, what else do I have in store other than doing so much math and accounting? So at the time we started, our farm started diversifying and we started, we got our first greenhouse when we started growing a lot of greenhouse tomatoes and produce and stuff. So then I was like, you know what, this ain't too bad. So, uh, you know, I, I, I transferred to universities and I, I, and then I started studying plant science. So that's when my passion for growing fruit really started. Is right when I changed my uh, my career from uh, you know just general education to plant science. So ever since then, we've been we've expanded the farm from, from just apples to peaches. Now we do uh, strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, of course apples and peaches, and we've kind of uh, uh, start, start our new newer modern systems on those crops. And then we do a lot of a lot of greenhouse tomatoes, a lot of high tunnel tomatoes, a lot of produce. And, you know, our farm just ever since then just expanded 10 and 12 times more than the, the original orchard. So now we are currently, you know, we about 55 acres in total on the farm. And then, of course, we have a few cattle just for my dad to, to have some meat on the table. So, uh, <laughs> so we really diversified. And, you know, our goal now on the farm is to have fresh fruit May through October, starting off with strawberries. And ending off the season with um, apples, and then of course with the apple cider. And then another way we've diversified our farm, kind of going on, on off on a tangent here. Uh, we opened a bakery. So one of my older sisters is a pastry chef. So my parents made her a bakery there on the farm. So we sell all kinds of homemade pastries, and you know she makes everything from scratch, and just delicious stuff. So. That's awesome. So not only are you guys super diverse, I mean, you've got a lot of fruits and veggies and or a lot of fruits and you said you've got some cows. You've also got um, a really cool bakery, it sounds like. So that's so cool. I mean, how has that been super successful with, the, with y'all? I mean, are you trying to use some of your fruit in that bakery? How's that going? Yeah, absolutely. So we try to implement as much as the fruit we grow on the farm into the bakery. And then 
uh, this past season, we got into the canning line. So we'll be doing a lot of value-added products as well because we also have a farm store down the farm. So people come up to the farm all the time. And the way we market our fruit, we're, we're a U-pick operation. So we grow the fruit, and then the customers come out to the farm and pick the fruit. And then we have the farm store. And it's just a nice experience for the kids and the families. And they just come out to the farm and have fun. And then we also uh, do a lot of farmers markets in the in, lo in the local area. So yeah, the bakery was a big add-on to the farm because you know they come out for the farm fresh fruit, you know, add a, a, a jar of honey, a, a jam or a jelly, and then of course you know, the fresh uh, bread and their uh, donuts as well. So that's really neat. So going back to your degree a little bit. Um... What were there some like main things that you learned in college that you brought back to the farm? I mean, while you were doing that, what were some kind of some main things that you brought back um, from learning in the classroom, kind of putting it to work on the on the fruit farm? Absolutely. So you know, I was blessed the opportunity to you know have to learn at the same time as I was doing you know practicing it out in the field. So for me, a lot of the stuff already made sense because I've already had so much experience on the farm hands on. So then when I started going to college, you know, all the stuff was making sense. So I would say the biggest thing I learned in college is about soil science. That's one thing I've never, you know, we've never known before because, you know, just my history, my past. And then whenever I learned all, you know, there's so many different soil types and how to treat your soil and how to make your soil as productive as possible. So that's one of the biggest things. And then, you know, of course, just the different methods of growing fruit. And, you know, there are so many different systems to grow them on. And, you know, that was the biggest thing is, you know, finding what, what works for our farm in, in our area. But in general, I feel like, you know, just that interest in, in, in the whole soil science uh, part of my degree was I learned so much from it. And I was so intrigued that, you know, if you do this to your soil, the more production. So that meant that meant more money in our pockets. So like, how can I, how can I, what, what, what pools, what strings can I pull to be able to, you know, have initially more production on our farm? Because more production meant, you know, the more product to sell. So I would say that was the biggest thing is, you know, learning about the soils and how that works and, and just, I mean, I could go in detail about it, but that's, that's one of the biggest things. That's so cool. Yeah. The more I learn, I mean, a lot of people don't think that how important soil is to farming, but I mean, that's one of the most important things out there. And so that's cool that you learned that and you're, you're putting that to work on the farm as you're learning it. So that's really neat. Um, so what are your production methods like? I mean, are you guys organic? Are you conventional? Do you have a little bit of both? So what's your production methods like? Yeah, so this that's our most asked question, even at the farmer's market, at the farm store there, is do mm -hmm. we spray? And, you know, that's, everybody says that, you know, the media saying, oh, chemicals are bad. Don't, you know, don't eat stuff, you know, go to the grocery store, eat the organic stuff. But a lot of people don't realize is that, the chemicals that, you know, farmers spray are not very cheap. I mean, we spend anywhere from, you know, five, seven to $10,000 a season on those chemicals we are using. So I always tell our customers, if there is a problem, we try to solve it. If there's no problem, we don't do anything. I compare it to ourselves. You know, if you're feeling sick, you go to the doctor to get healed. And same thing with the plants and the trees and the orchard. You know, if there's an issue, insect issue or bacteria issue in the trees, and we try to solve it. and you know, we try to solve it with, you know, at, with the, the least amount of input costs on our side. So, you know, that you know, I, we're conventional, but then we're, you know, if there's not an issue, we don't spray. So, Gotcha. Gotcha. That's pretty cool. So do you find that it, that's super um, difficult to kind of educate consumers about 
um, like a lot of misconceptions out there, whether you guys are just spraying 24-7 or just um, misconceptions about production. Do you see a lot of misconceptions out there? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and you know, I, you know, and being on YouTube and watching other people's stuff and, you know, a lot of times we, we could blame the consumers, but I think it's our, the farmer's fault to begin with because we didn't have them bring enough awareness and enough education out there. So, you know, it goes both ways, you know, the customers and the consumers need to be open-minded and willing to learn, but then the farmers need to be open-minded and willing to teach the customers about production methods and being conventional versus organic. So, I mean, it goes both ways. And, you know, if everybody was just a little more open-minded and would, and, and, you know, would sit down with the farmer and listen to what we have to say, and that's the biggest thing. A lot of customers don't realize that, you know, we do this full-time. We pay our bills by selling fruit. And, you know, if, you know, a lot of people nowadays, a lot of consumers, they eat with their eyes. So if you don't have a pretty product, you're not going to be able to sell it. And the way to get a pretty fruit or vegetable is to watch out and let's say, you know, let's say Japanese beetles come in your orchard and there's millions of Japanese beetles eating up your fruit, then you're not going to have a pretty product at the end of the season. So you're not going to be able to sell it at, at, uh, at top at the top price. So, that, you know, that's how I look at it. And it's a little more, you know, the consumers need to be a little bit open-minded and willing to learn. And us farmers, absolutely, we have to be willing to teach the customers and, you know, educate them on what we are doing out there. Oh, yeah, 100%. So going off of that, yeah, you, you've got a kind of a growing YouTube channel. I mean, what's what was the inspiration behind that? And, I mean, how's that all going? Yeah, so my YouTube channel is kind of a funny start. So, um, you know, my uh, junior and senior year of college, I was, uh, you know, kind of debating about, wait, well, hey, what am I going to do in the future? You know, do I want to focus full-time on the farm? Do I want to go get my master's degree? Because all the professors, you know, I was they were a big fan of me because, you know, I was – I know I knew so much of the hands-on of the experience on the farm and then the, the whole educational side. So then I quickly realized that, you know, I, I enjoy school, but it wasn't really for me. So one way I could continue teaching the way I like to teach without getting an education was, you know, to, to be able to reach out and teach the consumers of, you know, how we, how our farm operates and be, being very transparent with our customers and the consumer of how we're doing stuff. So like, you know what? Why don't I start a YouTube channel? And the funny thing is, the, the day I started my YouTube channel, my younger brother, Adrian, he got in big into the whole the drop shipping deal. And he made, you know, five or $600 doing that. And I was, I was sitting there like, man, I'm such a loser with my life. What have I done to my life? And, you know, what am I doing for myself? So then, you know, I uploaded my first video on YouTube. And I'm like, hey, I, I, I can really go on this. So, you know, on my YouTube channel, I've really taken part in more like the educational channel trying to teach the consumers about production methods, about the fertilizers, about what different temperatures, you know, and I, I throw a little humor in there as well. So that's that's how I start off my YouTube channel. Now I'm just focusing on teaching, you know, the uh, home gardener, teaching the consumer how to grow a perfect nice tomato or whatever, whatever the, the fruit or vegetable is. And that's that's where I, I took track. And, you know, I started back in uh, fall, uh, spring of 2019. So here in a couple um couple weeks here would be uh two years into youtube so i just hit 8700 subscribers so i'm just going strong at it now so <laughs> well hey there you go i mean a couple more subscribers hopefully and you'll be getting one of those play buttons so that'll be really cool i hope that happens one day for you <laughs> yeah and, you know one thing you know whenever i first started out I, I told myself i'm not going to worry about the subscribers i'm just going to do it because i enjoy teaching people and talking about you know my passion for agriculture 
And then, you know, I set a goal for myself to try to hit 10,000 subscribers in my first two years on YouTube. So, you know, lately here, I've been, you know, watching my subscribers go up and trying to push on my channel. But yeah, that's, that's been um, a big challenge. And especially with us, where I'm so focused on the farm, you know, the whole YouTube thing is just to add on to our orchard. And, you know, a lot of the consumers don't realize, you know, and I talked to a lot of farmers as well. I'm really good, good friends with our local farmers in our area. And, you know, you know, a lot of the farmers started laughing at me. He's like, oh, you're just going to show all your secrets of your farm. But they didn't realize that the outreach that I was doing with my YouTube channel has been has been bringing customers to our orchard. And, you know, I started working with a lot of uh, different universities in our area just because they they started noticing me. And, hey, this guy's young. He's passionate. He enjoys doing it. How can we work with him? So, you know, tomorrow, actually, uh, a few guys from a university will be coming out here. We're going to be a quick educational video. And I'll be speaking at a conference this next spring. And then, you know, we're part of the North American Blackberry Raspberry Association. And they, they, they reached out to me because of my YouTube channel. It's like, hey, we want you to be uh, the uh, star farmer at our next uh, conference. So, you know, it's just reaching out and showing people what we're doing on our farm has really kind of helped out our business in, in general. So, Well, that's so cool. That's awesome. That I mean, just because of your YouTube channel that they reached out and they want you to be on their program. And that's so cool. I mean, that's kind of showing that you're doing a lot of good out there. I mean, a lot of people are learning from you and seeing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so what are the future plans? What future plans do you have for the farm? And I think you said you were thinking about getting a master's degree. So what exactly all do you have planned for the future? Yeah, so on the farm side of it, so here lately in the past couple of years, we've been uh, planting a lot of new production methods. Like on, on the apples, we've been planting a lot of high-density apples, meaning instead of planting 100 trees per acre, we're planting 1,200 trees per acre on a dwarf and rootstock. And, you know, on my YouTube videos, I get more into detail about that. But us as farmers... You know, we harvest something. You know, a lot of the, whenever I, I tell that to customers, they think we're harvesting our crop, but we're actually harvesting sunlight. And without the sun, we wouldn't have any crops. So we got to make, uh, you know, the process of photosynthesis as effective as possible. And, you know, if you're more interested in this, you know, just go back to some of my YouTube videos and talk more in depth about it. But we take that sunlight that's available, you know, to us and we try to convert it as many apples per acre or as many berries per acre. So a lot of the new systems we've been planting have been on a trellis system where we, you know, use uh, photosynthesis as effectively as possible. So like on our blackberries, we're growing them on a trellis system where we flip them down horizontally in the spring. And then whenever they're done blossoming, we pick them back up. So then on one side, you have a wall full of fruit. And on the other side, you just leave. So whenever the customers come out to the farm and you pick, you know, they're just reaching out there, picking the berry without touching any leaves. And then just using photosynthesis as effectively as possible. So that's 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 the direction we've taken with our farm. And like this next spring, we're planting another 800 apple trees on the high density system. And you know, start, we're starting starting to listen to the consumers. And you know, everybody wants nice wants a nice crisp sweet apple. So we've actually joined the Midwest Apple Improvement Association, the MAIA, and we're going to be planting a lot of new uh, new varieties like Evercrisp, Ludacrisp, uh, Crimson Crisp. Which are a lot of a lot of those are honey crisp Fuji crosses that just make it just a, a delicious apple. So that's that's the focus of our farm. And this past fall, we actually got done planting thirty five thousand strawberry plants. So this is the most strawberry plants we've ever planted. So just just keep on going, just keep on growing the farm, and we'll see what the future holds us. And on the side of the whole uh, educational thing in the master's degree, so you know I saw that my YouTube channel kind of took off, and I, that's still on my. You know, that's still, still still in back of my mind, but, you know, it's going to be a couple more years 
or I'll even see if I uh, ever pursue that that master's degree. But we'll see. Well, you know, our, you know, we're just uh, out here trying to make it big. So. <laughs> hey, well, there you go. One step at a time. So, did you say one of those apples, the varieties, was called Ludacrisp? Yes. That is awesome. I mean, it, it sounds so close to Ludacris. I like that. <laughs> yeah, so it's a hybridized Honeycrisp. And uh, for us, like here in, in Southwest Missouri, we can't grow the original Honeycrisp just because uh, uh, different uh, growing methods. But first of all, we get too much sun and, and it gets too hot. So the, the trees kind of burn up. So, you know, we're just trying to plant some of those new hybrid varieties, see if they work in our area. So, you know, you got to listen to the customers. You know, I, I talk about this and preach about this. Without our customers, we wouldn't have a business. So that's one thing we got to keep in mind is that we got to listen to our customers and see what our customers want. And then we grow it. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. A hundred percent. That's something I'm always trying to teach consumers is that they are the most powerful person on the whole food supply chain. I mean, what they want is basically what the farmer will grow or make or however. And so, I mean, that's a really good point. You're not going to grow something if nobody's going to buy it. So whatever they want, you guys will grow it. So I like that. And that's, that's our plan we're keeping to it so <laughs> yeah i like it that's awesome well dre this has been awesome man so if people want to follow you you are farmer dre on youtube and on instagram so where all can they go to kind of follow you and see what you're doing and watch all this really cool educational content that you're putting out yeah so the biggest thing is on youtube and if you want to see more of the daily stuff on stories is on on instagram and then you can always follow me on, on tiktok i got like 30 or forty thousand followers on there a fun fact, my younger brother, Adrian, he's got 150,000 followers on TikTok, 130,000 followers on TikTok, just uh, you know, posting farming stuff. So that's that's under Real Farmer. And then, of course, you can always follow our farm at Gardener's Orchard and Bakery, uh, you know, on Instagram and Facebook. So, my, you know, my biggest thing is YouTube and Instagram. So, Gotcha. That's awesome. We'll be sure to link all that in the description, man. I, I appreciate I'm glad we finally sat down and had an interview. Uh, can't wait to see how your YouTube channel grows and Instagram and how the farm grows. So awesome stuff you're doing, man. Keep up the good work. Yep. And if you're ever up in this area, feel free to stop in. I'll give you the whole exclusive farm tour. So, Hey, deal. And one thing I got to mention earlier, we do a lot of field trips and farm tours in the fall for the kids. So we get, you know, five to 6,000 kids through our, our apple orchard in the fall. So that's a way we outreach as well and educate the consumer. So we're just, you know, we're the UPIC, traditional UPIC operation. Hay rides, fun, fun for the family, fun for the kids. So that's cool. Yeah, and, and before I forget about that, I mean, do you guys have have you ever had any like really cool aha moments with the kids that go out there? They're like, oh wait, this is how my fruit's grown. It doesn't, it's not magically grown, or it doesn't magically appear in a grocery store. So have you had any like aha moments whenever the kids go out there and tour? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the first question I ask the kids, especially in the fall, like, hey, where do apples come from? You know, some of them would raise their hand and they know the answer off the bat, but a lot of them are just like, where? You know, they're they're confused, you know, because they've, they've never been exposed to it. So then I was like, I'll show you. So they, we get on the farm tour and I show them the apple trees full of fruit. They're like, wow, that's so awesome. So <laughs> <laughs> got to teach them young, you know, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to teach them real young. So then they're like where their food comes from and that chocolate milk doesn't come from brown cows. I mean, you know, like the Willy Wonka right. thing. That's funny. All right, cool. Well, Dre, well, thanks for being on, man. We'll talk to you soon, and we'll be following you on Instagram and YouTube and all those channels. So keep up the good work, man. I appreciate the, uh, your time, and uh, yeah, both for us in the future. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, man.
every once in a while it's fun to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.